0: Hello, I'm Brett Marshall. And I'm Zeke Boyatt. And I'm Justin Backe. And this is Sound the (laughs) Foghorn. Welcome in to episode 16, maybe, of Sound the Foghorn. <laughs> I'm your host, Brett Marshall, joined alongside by Zeke Boyat and Justin Ah, uh, We weren't going to originally do a podcast this week, but then it was just kind of a stream of news. Some of it big, some of it small, but we figured it was enough to uh, to do a podcast this week. So here we are, a surprise show for you guys. No guests this week, just three of us. Uh, breaking down some wild news. Uh, but before we get into that, let's check in with everyone. Uh, Zeke, how you doing tonight?
1: Yeah, hey, I am doing pretty good. Just uh, happy to be here uh, talking to my hockey this week. And, you know, hopefully in a month we'll have actual games to talk about here pretty soon. So, yeah, no, I'm doing good. Fingers crossed.
0: Justin, mm-hmm. what
2: about you? I'm doing good. Just, uh, you know, work today. now I'm sitting here about to talk hockey, watching the UMB North Dakota game. So far so good. Bulldogs up one nothing, but uh, a lot of game left. But quick pace, but ready to talk hockey too. All right. Well, there you go.
0: Uh, I have uh, Thursday Night Football on in the background here. Uh, For you fantasy football players, I'm assuming most of you have uh, started your uh, fantasy football playoffs. I was lucky enough. I got two first-round buys, made the playoffs, and two others. So four out of six this year, not too shabby. Hoping to bring home a championship. But uh, guys, speaking of fantasy, if fantasy football is not your thing, maybe fantasy hockey is Zeke, before we get into the news, tell everyone uh, what what uh, you came up with today.
1: Yeah, well, um, uh, like today, like Brett said, uh, we started a uh, fantasy hockey league on ESPN from the for the podcast, and uh, just you know, so far, I believe we have twelve or thirteen out of the twenty spots filled. So, you know, uh, if, if you're interested in fantasy hockey at all, and you know, you just want to interact with us with the podcast a little bit, uh, be sure to check out our uh, podcast Twitter account. The sign up links in there, and uh, once, like I said, it kind of on Twitter too. Once we have it filled up. Uh, well, we'll talk to everyone and figure out a draft date. But, uh, no, if you're interested in that, definitely go sign up for the league.
0: And then I did see a question from our friend uh, Hoppy just wondering, can you give, like, a high-level overview of, like, the rules, Maybe, like scoring format, roster breakdown, time commitment, et etc. et cetera?
1: okay well i mean i guess to be in terms of basic rules like scoring i know it's just like two for a goal one for system there it, it does like uh, i think it's like hits shots and then you know points for that i guess i'm not too familiar i haven't dug too deep in that but like also you know in terms of like time commitment how much you know i just just be active you know don't you know you don't have to be like checking every day anything, but you know just make sure i guess if you're going to join that you'll be active and set your roster each week for the slate of games and uh just you know, just participate if you're gonna sign up. But uh, yeah, I guess I don't think it's gonna to be too complicated with the rules. Although I can check on that later and answer that question on Twitter after too.
2: Yeah, we can. Sounds get good that on the on the Twitter page, but you know, with the um, what was I gonna say? Basically, with setting your lineup, if it's anything like Yahoo, you can set your lineup like at the beginning of the week for the rest of the week. And, yeah, just hopefully we have people that are competitive and, and you know set their lineups stuff.
0: All right, sounds pretty good to me. Uh, there probably will be some sort of prize for the highest placing non uh, member of our host group here. Uh, that's to be determined, but potentially if uh, we do get some merch going, maybe it'll be a free t shirt or something of those along those lines. So feel free to join. It is free to join, but it is a first come, first serve for joining. I think, like Zeke said, 12, 13 spots filled so far, which means there's still you know, seven, eight spots left to go. Uh, you can find that link uh, on our Twitter page. Uh, so feel free to click that and join. It is through ESPN. You will need an ESPN account to join. Also free to sign up. It takes just a couple minutes. Uh, so moving on here, uh, let's go. Since we have more of like a prospect segment, we're going to skip the prospect update for now. And we're going to move into what I think is probably like the most I don't, bad news is the right word. Maybe like unfortunate and uh, that is the story that broke, I believe it was from TSN this week, about a sexual assault lawsuit uh, filed against the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, uh, the affiliate of the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, while Bill Guerin was still uh, the assistant GM of the Penguins and at the time was basically the head of Wilkes-Barre. For those of you that didn't see what the lawsuit was about, basically I believe it was uh, the wife of the coach, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. The wife of the head coach of the team was... Um, sexually assaulted by a member of of the Wilkes-Barre staff um and it's I'm not gonna go too much into it just because it's a touchy subject and you can read more about it but basically um where where it gets into being serious for the wild is when this was brought to the attention of Garen, uh six months after the incident um the alleged report is that he told them to basically yep we'll deal with it uh he says he reports it right up to the top But that just, as he said, to basically keep it quiet, which I think is kind of the piece that's got um, the most attention. Garen denies that claim um, and the investigation is ongoing, but uh, kind of alarming here. Uh, What was kind of your your, uh, first reaction to when the the story broke?
1: Well, for me, I think, I guess I want to probably say I maybe jumped the gun a little bit with some of my tweets you know, I, I mean, I read the story right away and I was kind of like, I guess, freaking out in a way because, you know, at first, I i don't know, maybe I just didn't process it right away. I just thought I read it as really bad. And then, you know, from what I've read now and from what Russo has been saying and writing and some other people that, you know, I'm not, I mean, it's obviously terrible and uh, hopefully the coach and his wife are doing okay somewhat now and hopefully they, you know, get in their lawsuit against the team, they get something back for that to hopefully help them. But, you know, me personally, I mean, from what I could tell in the story, it seemed like that, uh, you know, the, the, the coach who is his wife, He when she told him about that, that after a few months he went to, I think he was ta- he talked to the coach who committed the act and he said he would uh, tell Garen about it and fess up, that, but then he didn't or something. And then uh, once uh, he brought it up to Garen at the NHL draft that uh, within a week later he was fired, although in the public it was known as resigned for personal reasons. So I know I'm going a little bit long here, but I don't know. I, I don't, it didn't, it doesn't seem as bad from his guarantee standpoint as it did for me at first. Cause I feel like, you know, I think in the, for in the first TSN article, it sounded like he, he said right away to keep this quiet. But from what I could tell, it seemed like he uh, dealt with it, reported it and the guy was fired. And then I, and I, again, I don't know, this is all alleged, so who knows, but it seems like it was more of a, Legal or litigation reason, maybe that he would have kept it quiet, but I'm not sure either.
0: Yeah. Justin, anything to add to that, or maybe you reacted differently um, at all?
2: I mean, I'm—I was, of course, the story is unfortunate and sick, and you know, it's something you don't want to see happen to anyone. I i, I feel for the coach and his wife, and um but yeah, kind of, I wanted to kind of wait and see what came out, like what the details were. Like, I was kind of like, oh, here we go again. We had Fenton, and now you know, Garen seems good, and then we're going to lose him over this, and I was listening to Russo on KFAN the other day, and <clears throat> it seems like it was mischaracterized by TSN is how he put it, and like, TSN never really kind of gave, gave a timeline to things, um, mm-hmm. Garen put out a statement saying he acted swiftly, you know, recently, and um, what, what else, it was basically dealt in the time matter. And from what I understand is the keep quiet comment was in regards to the firing of the coach. But then again, I'm, I'm still kind of just waiting on what comes out.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think in the end it really like, it's just kind of that one comment I think that raised eyebrows. And I think once that gets ironed out, we'll be able to form kind of a, a good opinion. Zeke, I'm, with, I'm right with you. I kind of jumped the gun, but, you know, looking around wild Twitter, I think we were all kind of in agreement that, and and if Justin, you spoke to it, it's just like the way TSN presented it made it sound. I mean, sexual assault is is mm. is, is terrible in any situation, mm-hmm. but the way it painted Garen as kind of this like accomplice role, it, it, that really wasn't the case. It was it was mainly just just his coach, um, and, and then the wife who were kind of like the main people involved, and it was brought to Garen at the last minute. He said dealt with it promptly. The Wild support him. Um, so you know, not, not much too more to say on this. it we'll, we'll was kind of I mean, it's it's we're kind of just in the kind of the wait and see thing. I'm um, hoping that, you know Darren's word is true and, and given the type of person we've heard he is and you know that he did act in a timely manner. If if that is the case then, then we'll be good to go and, and and uh it'll it'll be dealt with, you know, at, at the Penguins level. But uh anything else to add to that guys? No, I, I
2: think uh, that touched on pretty well. Yeah, nothing for me either.
0: All right. Well let's move past that let's move on to uh some good stuff. Uh, we'll start with um, let's, let's start with NHL news then we'll kind of work our way down. Uh, we'll, we'll end with prospects. Um, the NHL yeah, apparently down. basically said, hey, we're gonna figure out the the financials here and uh, we're aiming for I believe it's what like January 13th or 14th yeah. for a start date Later, uh, which okay. is exciting. So pretty much a month just over a month from today we are hoping to have uh, NHL hockey back, but potentially and it seems likely, uh, within some realigned divisions, so let's dive into those. The Wild originally reported by uh, ESPN's Greg Wyshynski to be out in the Pacific, which is what Michael Russo had also, I think, kind of hinted at, but uh, that doesn't seem to be the case. They're going to be in the Central mm-hmm. uh, with uh, defending champion uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, I believe uh, the Penguins, uh, the, no, not the Penguins, the Blue Jackets, the Panthers, and...
2: Chicago Detroit. Florida. Yeah. Carolina. Nashville.
0: Yeah. Carolina and Nashville. So it's kind of an interesting spot. I think the Pacific looked good on the surface because you had Arizona, the four California teams. So like it basically seemed the wild really couldn't finish worse than Mm -hmm. probably I'd say fifth. And there's a good chance they could crack fourth, maybe even third. Do you feel like that change under this new alignment? Uh, I mean, obviously I think Tampa is the favorite here and then you Mm -hmm. have Uh, I'm guessing probably Carolina at number two, and then, like, there's just this mishmash of probably, I would say, Columbus, Minnesota, Nashville, and Florida, kind of all in that, like, yeah, you might get the three, you might not even make it, where where were you guys at?
2: I guess I'd agree the three to six is really kind of just, anything could really happen with those teams, and, you know, you kind of see Chicago and Detroit towards the bottom, but... Then again, you know, you never know what could happen, but it seems like one and two are kind of obvious. And nothing's really obvious, but it seems like Tampa and Carolina would be one and two, and then three to six is not so, you know, like you said, mishmash, and then uh, Detroit and Chicago. So I guess I. Guess that's the right.
1: Yeah, I guess for me, it's. It's kind of a similar thing too. I mean, like you guys said, t- I think Tampa and Carolina are the two probably best teams. And then you know, as I know, there's a lot of people who are saying you know uh, Nashville and Columbus were they thought were the next two, but you know, and I th- I Brett kind of explained this on Twitter yesterday. I'm not particularly high on Nashville really anymore. I don't. Really, I think they're kind of like Brett said, similar to the Wild. They're and
0: like the exact same team.
1: Yeah, yeah, you put it pretty good on Twitter too in the I, reply I'll, the other day.
0: I'll, I'll cut you off so you can just like explain what i mean by that like if you look at the build-up of the roster like you start in goal. yep you got uc Saros, and you have cam talbot probably pretty close to equal you look at the defensive defensive group you have a, a really solid top four nashville's got ellis they have yossi they have ekholm and they have dante fabro pretty comparable to the wild Suitors, spurgeon Brodin, dumbo like you have a top tier guy and yossi and spurgeon you have kind of two really solid middle pair guys and, and then the and then it's, you know, some stars up front. Um, Nashville maybe has a slight edge because they have Duchesne. But Forsberg, Arvidsson, probably comparable to, like, Fiala, Parisi, You know, Kaprizov might have the upside that Duchesne does. So, like, the Zuccarell injury maybe hurts a little bit. But then the rest mm. of the teams are just filled with a bunch of third liners. Like, they're yeah. they're pretty much the same team. So, I don't know why Nashville gets, like, this higher mm. tier above the wild. I really don't understand it. Maybe it's because they have so, so-called center depth. But, mm. like, Brian Johansson's falling off a cliff. Yeah. And so uh, unless people are thinking Matt Duchesne is worth like four or five more standings points, which I don't think is the case at all, then I don't know how you could talk positively about Nashville and negatively about Minnesota in the same breath. Sorry to cut you off, but that, there's my rant about it. Yeah, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I agree. I mean, as in why people are still high in Nashville, I think a lot of people are still, you know, still remember the 2017 and 2018 teams. Uh, whether right or wrong, I think that's still kind of what people got in their minds. But, you know, as for like some of the other teams in the middle, like you guys said, Columbus, I, I'm a little higher, I think, than most people on Columbus. I think even though they lost to Tampa in five games in the playoffs this year, a lot of those games were close and they were very tight. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a great player. Uh, You know, I, I wouldn't, you know, they don't have a ton of a high-end offensive talent either. But, you know, I think in goal, they're pretty, very solid too. So they're a good team. But like, like you guys said, I'm pretty much the same. I think, you know, I think anywhere from Three to fifth is probably a reasonable bet for where the wild would finish, or sixth, I guess, I should say.
0: Which means we'll basically be right on the cusp of either like a wild card spot mm-hmm. or a low lottery pick, which, uh, yes. you know, of course, something we're not familiar with at all whatsoever. <laughs> but Justin, I guess Justin, anything to add?
2: <laughs> no, I, I, just, I guess I can see what he's saying about Columbus, and they also have, you know, John Tartarola who seems to always have him, you know, playing hard, so. You know, maybe mm-hmm. their Columbus 3 and then 4 through 6 is kind of, you know, really just a mismatch.
0: How many games does Tampa Bay win in this division? Like, they they see. might not lose a divisional game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, it's hockey, so they will. But, like, man, mm-hmm. if they aren't I mean, they they might push 90 points in a 58-game mm-hmm. season, which would be – or yeah. excuse me, which would be pretty impressive. Yeah,
1: it would be <laughs> – Yep.
0: Uh, any, let's touch on, let's see. Um, well,
1: you guys, you got something I go ahead. I would, Oh, I would say, you know, the, the division, I can't remember which one it was called that has a, uh, you know, all the New York, uh, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Boston teams. Yeah. You, i just
0: dubbed it the East division as of now. Oh okay, yeah. So,
1: yeah. So I guess that, uh, East division, I, you know, is interesting. I won, I think that's possibly, uh, the strongest division of the league with, you know, the a lot of great teams, Boston, you know, philadelphia pittsburgh washington islanders and you know i think from a wild standpoint that's relevant because uh the pittsburgh penguins in there and with the wild holding the penguins unprotected first in this upcoming draft you know and and considering the fact that it seems like they're probably going to do a playoff format where the top four teams in each division get in uh, i I guess that's just kind of the thought that that could be potentially a one to watch for wild fans here
0: yeah and i think the reason being is I don't know if this. Is, I mean, obviously, the divisions aren't finalized yet, so the season mm-hmm. format isn't finalized yet. Yeah. But I believe kind of what I've heard is like all 56 games would be played within the division. So
3: mm-hmm. I
0: think, and you've split up the West and the East as we know them. So I think trying to reformat a whole playoff scenario would just be a headache. So yeah. I think, I think going th- just the top four from each makes sense, and it might mean you know a team with less points gets in, but that's just the way it is, and some teams yeah. remain in proper divisions, but. We're in, you know, the the remnants of 2020, and it's 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 it is what it is, and gotta fight through it. It'll be another weird year, and hopefully, we'll get back on track uh, for the 21 22 season.
2: Definitely. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm. Just... Go ahead,
1: no, no, I was just gonna say I'm just gonna be happy to have hockey back, regardless, whatever format. Definitely.
2: Yes. Very true. And let's
0: talk finally about the Canadian division because I think there's just a uh, a lot of hype around it. Um, you know. In my mind, Toronto's a clear favorite in the minds of Canadians not in Toronto everywhere. That doesn't seem to be the case. Um, <laughs> I've posted projections and I've been pretty much yelled at every, <laughs> uh, every single fan base about A, hey, why is my team this low? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, these, these aren't my opinions. This is just what, you know, an analytical model and a yeah. little bit of my own bias, just a teeny bit <laughs> adjusting for like maybe two wins here or there, but... I, I'm curious to know, like, if I had to rank them right now, I would put them: Toronto, Calgary, Montreal, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Winnipeg. Probably dead even for me, and then Ottawa, clear last. But like, do you guys differ at all? Like, am I too high on someone? Is there someone you really like? My model, by the way, has the order as uh, Toronto, Montreal, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Ottawa. Um, I don't know.
2: I, I... It'd be interesting to see how Vancouver does with a couple of the signings they had and just, you know, maybe the progression of Patterson even more. Maybe they even jump up a little bit. But beyond that, I think it's pretty, pretty spot on what you have. That's just kind of from like an opinion standpoint.
1: Yeah, and I guess for me the kind of couple teams that kind of intrigue me the most. I mean, like Justin said, with uh, in Vancouver with uh, Braden Holtby, Thatcher Demko instead of Jacob Markstrom will be interesting. But I'm kind of intrigued by how, specifically how uh, Calgary and Montreal will do because you know I think both those teams. I mean, you look at Montreal this off season they got I think it was a uh, Tyler Toffoli, Josh Anderson, and Jake Allen kind of as a backup to kind of one A one B with Carey Price. So I'm interested to see how.
0: Well, I think was kind of their other big addition. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think that much of a difference maker for
1: them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But uh, I don't know. I just think, uh, you know, they did f- show pretty well in the playoffs this year. And I think they are better than their regular season showed. So I think they're contender to finish in that second, third, or fourth spot. And for Calgary, I think it's just a, a lot of those guys are in kind of a prove-it year kind of scenario right now, it seems like, with a lot of trade rumors around, you know, guys like Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan and all them. So I guess I'm just kind of interested to see how those two teams uh, – end up in this kind of division
0: yeah i think for me like not to call out vancouver fans here because there there are some that have their head on straight and realize that yeah Mm -hmm. they got worse but like vancouver got worse like they they lost their mvp who was jacob markstrom like you can't look at what that team did last year and not say yeah like 60 percent of our success was because jacob markstrom stood on his head for half the year Mm mm-hmm and you look at that like people are like, oh well, they almost made it, you know, past who uh they play in the after they beat the wild. Uh,
1: Vegas, right? Uh,
0: mm-hmm. Vegas. And they got there, they got throttled by yeah, Vegas. They did. And like Demco played you know, whatever, it's like two game two or three games in there and like I think they saw like two or three good games from Demco in the playoffs, like, Oh my god, he's gonna be marked from two and like I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not convinced of that in the same way like I don't know if you guys saw this, but um I believe it was NHL Network put out, like, a fan vote of the top 10 goalies. Oh, team. God. Anton Hudobin was in the top <laughs> 10. It's like, the dude has one playoff run, and all of a sudden <laughs> you have him over Bishop. He's not even the best goalie in his own dang team. Yeah, was, he man. still was a goalie, but I was like, oh, my goodness, like, the recency bias people have. Like, keep that in mind, folks. It's like, uh, man, if we could base every season off playoff success from the previous year, like, was... anyway. I think that does it for the divisions, but um, as we said, nothing finalized on that front uh, quite yet. Um, it, you know, any, I would imagine in most scenarios where uh, Pierre Lebrun says something, there's probably a – where there's smoke with him, there's probably a whole lot of fires. So mm-hmm. my guess is they're just probably putting um, some finishing touches uh, on that. Um, one more thing. Did you guys see a little banter between – I believe it was Frank Cervalli and Greg Wasinski.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and for those not familiar with uh, either Greg uh, or Frank Cervali, Frank Cervali is a, I believe he's a Sportsnet animal. Is he Sportsnet or TSN?
1: I think he's. Uh, hmm. I think he's TSN. TSN. Yeah, I think he's right. TSN.
0: So, like, basically, Canada's version of ESPN. Um, and basically, Greg Wyshinski, as yeah. we said earlier, had originally put out, like, now, I think, two days ago, that he thought, you know, here are the division alignments. He forgot Philadelphia, then reported some rumors about um some other stuff and then frank servalli put some stuff out about um uh max patch trade rumors out of vegas and then wachinski kind of subtweeted them and then servalli came after i'm like whoa <laughs> you know, here's what i said what i said isn't wrong you want to talk about being wrong we'll start with your purple vision alignments which were completely wrong and it's like it's, it's not often you see like insiders kind of banter at each other usually they're kind mm-hmm. of all the same team but it was it was funny to say the least that i mm-hmm. i I, I like both of them, so I was like, oh, my. And it kind of diffused there. I don't think there was much more conversation after that. But Greg was talking to uh, Frank, so we'll see. But just a little funny uh, tidbit there. Uh, off on a tangent, uh, let's move into wild stuff. we um, us start with a little one more bit of um, unfortunate news, and that's uh, Matt Zuccarello who we found out is undergoing uh, surgery and will miss. It sounds like it could be up to like half the season.
2: Yeah.
0: I think uh, let's start first. Uh, Justin, we'll go to you. Zeke and I. I, feel like we've done a lot of talking, so we'll have you give your thoughts here first. What what do you see as the impact of losing Matt Zuccarello for what could be half the season or even more?
2: Uh, I think it would be a decent impact. I know he didn't. He had a pretty awful year last year, but uh, from the sounds of it, um, it sounds like he was playing hurt a lot of the year. And I think, you know, having a player that can, you know, He's pretty good with the puck and dishing the puck. So I think losing that winger in a top six for the role, you know, maybe Krizov just lost to one of his wingers, or, or Fiala just kind of just unfortunate because we wanted to see him maybe bounce back this year.
0: Yeah, Zeke, he need to add
1: uh I, I mean not too much like what justin said you know you're just kind of hoping that uh he'd get a you know another chance i mean he was obviously going to get the top six role even though people will say well if he's not playing good why is getting why is he getting that role but i mean you know he's he is getting paid six million for the next four years so he, you know if he was healthy and when he's healthy he will get the chance but i mean like justin said you just kind of wish he was going to get that chance to rebound and i mean you know like with that injury you can kind of understand why wow, he maybe that he wasn't maybe as effective this year but uh you know, I mean, it, it, despite him not being that good last year, it is still a decent uh, decent loss, the decently-sized loss for the Wild because, I mean, he is still expected to be a top-six forward for this team, so.
0: Yeah, and I think it creates a really interesting scenario going forward, because, like, right wing was kind of the spot where, like, it seemed like the pieces fit the best mm-hmm. of them, I think, on the roster, and all of a sudden, now you kind of have this gaping hole, and then, like... I don't think – I mean, maybe Nick Bugstad pops up there. I, well, I doubt it's Ryan Hartman. Mm-hmm. I don't think – I don't see – I mean, maybe Greenway gets a look up there. But it's just, like, who do you think takes his place? We'll start with Wild players and then maybe move to, like, external options.
1: Well, I guess for me, I mean, I think uh, I don't know if Justin heard this, but Russo, I think he said on his the podcast or on the radio recently that uh, you know he thought that since uh, Kaprizov's natural position is right wing, that maybe he gets shuffled down to that second line on there. I mean, I guess if you if you're taking the term of you want to spread that wealth out a little bit more, although I I still would like to see him with Fiala, but I thought that was the in terms of. The best player, I think, that you have to put there, I think that was that would be the guy I would go with personally.
0: All right. Why'd no, him pencil in second line left wing? So or first line? So you have, I mean, who's the who's the fourth winger though? You have Perzy, Fiala, Caprissi. Yeah. Who, who's that fourth winger? It's kind of like hmm. whether it's on the right side or the
2: left side. Yeah, that's true. I guess you're just gonna hmm. have to push someone up from the, the bottom of the lineup, or you know, maybe that, you know, that's probably what's gonna have to happen. Then in someone like. You know, May he would pay, play on the bottom six role, but you know, it sounds like it from what Russell was saying that you know, we're gonna have possibly expanded rosters and taxi spots because of the the situation we're still in and you know, maybe we see some young guys get more of a chance that maybe once they've gotten it.
0: Yeah, and another option I kicked around and some local Minnesota sports media kicked around too was Mikhail Granlin's still the free agent. And he's effective on the right wing. He could be probably great on the second line. He doesn't have a contract, his demand obviously isn't there. Why not throw Mikhail Grandin on a one year cheap deal, two two million bucks, prove it? In your best case scenario, hey, yeah, you still got some game left in you. You helped the while a little bit, and now you have a you know, a sixth body that becomes traded at the deadline, because you would assume if, if the Zuccarella timeline is accurate, he probably comes back right around the trade deadline to a point where you'd feel comfortable maybe moving on. Uh, For him and getting some assets. Uh, What do you guys think about that idea? I think to me that makes a lot of sense versus moving somebody up. But I don't know what the Wild's plan is and where if they just maybe is like an excuse to be worse and maybe "quote unquote" tank
2: for a lower pick or higher pick. Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I mean that seems like a feasible idea. But how would Gramlin feel about getting traded twice from the Wild? (laughs) (laughs) I know. could use you know you gotta do what you gotta do but like straight on. I think
0: at this point he wants to.
2: I just hope he thinks he plays right. That that too There's that side of it. I mean, like you said, he doesn't have a contract, so.
0: I mean, he might not get traded either. They might just keep him on a one-year deal, and then after that, they'll be there. all right. We'll see where to go from
3: here. Mm-hmm.
1: Well. I don't know, I guess for me is, you know, from what uh, I remember in the past few months, you know, before free agents and all that, people are asking, you know, could they potentially try to fit him at center if he was available, which, you know, from what Russo was saying is that uh, the current wild front office and the people on the team, uh, you know, kind of, you know, seemingly just didn't really want to even, weren't even really considering going back. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's not a terrible idea, like Brett said, I mean, you know, you, if you sign a guy on a one, I mean, to me, there's you know, almost no, no such thing as a bad one year deal. So uh, it's not, it's not a bad idea. I just, you know, I guess I just don't think probably think there's not a great chance of that happening.
3: Yeah.
0: So something to watch. Um, We have a couple questions kind of regarding the Zuccarello situation. Uh, The first one from Derek Felska, he asks, you know, is, is, and we kind of touched on this, but we'll we'll dive in it just a touch deeper here. He asks, is losing Zuccarello really a setback other than for him or more of an opportunity for younger players to impress and gain valuable experience?
2: I think it's a little of both. Like, he is a loss. He's expected to be top six on the power play and stuff. Maybe he bounces back and has a good year, but I mean, now we won't know. And this gives uh, kind of a young guy possibly an opportunity to jump up in the lineup and, and maybe steal maybe the spot or something, you know?
0: Go ahead,
1: Zeke. Yeah, well, I don't. Know. I think I just not. I think, I think there's not really much for me to add to that. I think you know, like Justin said, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, that, like I said earlier, too, I think it's kind of a bit of a loss for Zuckrel. I mean, when you from the Wild standpoint, I mean, you know that they, when you consider that they're paying him six million dollars, you, you know they they obviously want him in the lineup, and you know we're hoping that uh, and he was going to get that opportunity to improve, and they were hoping that. So it, you know, I think it 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 it's, I think the effect is a little more, in my opinion, that he's not going to be there and won't get that chance to. You know, rebound after last year, but, uh, like you know, you guys said, and like Justin said, it is also a great opportunity for, or a potential opportunity for, I mean, like you guys, for a younger player or on the team or on the roster. But you know, like we talked about earlier, I guess, just don't know who that's going to be.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. I think, in a sense, it gives like these guys an opportunity, but I don't know if that necessarily helps the team in development, like. No one's really looking, I think, at this point at, as Nick duke said, as like a top six guy, mm-hmm. maybe people still see that in Greenway potentially. So maybe it's an opportunity for someone like him, which I think at this point, that's probably where I make the move. I think
3: Whoa.
0: Greenway probably slides up to that second line left wing, and then you slide Kaprizov from the left to the right and you have, you know, Parisi, Fiala, center, and then maybe Greenway, Ek, and Kaprizov. I don't know. Mm. Um, the other thing I, in this kind of as I'm looking at like another question that kind of popped into my head, could this almost make like Marco Rossi almost like more of a shoe in for the roster? And, and hear me out, because um, right now, you're, if Rossi doesn't make the roster, it was assumed, yep, we'll, we'll put um, Marcus Johansson at center and that's where he'll play. But we know we can play the wing, so maybe the alternative here is, all right, now we're going to for sure move Marcus Johansson to the wing and Marco Rossi's a center. And now we have our top six filled. We put Rossi at center. We fill Johansson or someone else in on that left wing. And now we're we're kind of back to square one.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. I mean, I was I was thinking about that too a few months ago. When, you know, if you have uh, Rossi Krisov in the team, you know, does Johansson always have to be at center? But you know, I I think uh, you know, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to think of the scenario's mind. But that's I think it's a definitely a reasonable option if uh, if Rossi does make the team after the World Juniors.
2: Yeah, I think that would be a, you know, obviously another baseball thing that could happen. I wouldn't mind seeing Rossi get a chance at the NHL roster, especially with, you know, how NHL ready they're saying, like, he's one of them, maybe one of the most NHL ready out of this draft, so yeah, maybe, yeah he'd be good at center and he'll have that wing, and yeah, I like that idea, honestly.
0: So we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know if there's, I don't think there's any sort of deadline for when the wild, but that signs when like Granlin, obviously Rossi will come whenever he's done the world juniors, which assuming that Austria does, so we project them will probably be early January. I don't think move mm-hmm. much, much out of kind of that full play realm, but uh, something some to watch moving forward. Uh, and uh, of course we wish the best of Zuccarello sucks. And I have him out there because I think a lot of people are kind of betting on him to, to bounce back and, and contribute this year and to be a, effective piece to maybe get someone like Fiala or Kaprizov, you know, putting up goals in the goal column. Cause like we've touched on, he is that playmaker. So all the best to him. Hope to see him back out on the ice really soon. And before we wrap this up, we mentioned the power play a couple times here and how his value was brought to there. Um, we did get a question here from, um, corn in the crease uh, is the username uh, at Minnesota wild miners. Um, he said he, he was asking us if we have any thoughts on what the power play units might look like. Um, sans, uh, Rossi and Zuccarello. Um, threw out some projections here. Uh, his first one was uh, Kaprizov, Parisi, Fiala, Suter, Spurgeon. Um, also threw out the idea of Greenway. Uh, I don't even know who these numbers are off the top of my head. 90 is Johansson. Oh, 13 is Bonino, Hunt, and Dumba. Second unit? Wow, that's... Oof. Yeah, <laughs> not good. <laughs> <laughs> I had to rack my brain to figure out what the players were. Uh, so what would you guys look for in a power play? I mean, the first one you mentioned didn't even have like a, a center. Sorry, yeah. I, this one. I don't know if you guys saw this one before we jumped on.
1: No, hold on. It's okay. But yeah. you know, as for the first power play, I mean, like you guys said, I think uh, you automatically are going to have a uh, Capri, and Fial on there. And, and I mean, we've already heard that from Russo and Garen a few times already. So we know that that's probably fairly likely, but I mean, like Brett said at center, it's kind of interesting. Cause I mean, considering all the wild centers right now are all kind of of that, you know, middle six or third line caliber, at least that we think right now. I mean, I think you could pretty much put anyone on there. Uh, you know, Mark Johansson, I don't know. I don't know if Nick Bonino is really a offensive power play type guy. So, I mean, at that case, I would even consider putting a, maybe not, but I, I would consider Ek on one of those power play units too. As I well. think
0: Ek is who yeah. I would go to. I think for me, when it comes down to it, it's a little situational, but mm-hmm. if it's that unit going out right away, I would whoever is going to be best in the faceoffs or can give us possession. Oh. And I think, I mean, it, and I could see that first unit maybe almost going with potentially four forwards. So you have either uh, probably Fiala manning the point alongside, I would say maybe even Spurgeon, mm-hmm. um, Suter being maybe bumped off that power play because I I don't know if they want to go three wings up front. Maybe have Parisia as the center and you know, flanked by Fiala Kaprizov, it is your power play, I don't know if any of them are super competent in the face-off circle, but um, maybe that's something they address, but yeah, it definitely creates an interesting dynamic, as for that second unit, your guess is as good as mine, I, I think Dumba and Hunt and Suter, but if we go four forwards, one of those guys isn't going to be there, and it's going to be Dumba for sure, so maybe Hunt becomes the odd band out, but then what's the point of Really having him as your six D man because that's kind of his thing is the power. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's an interesting dynamic here with what happens now uh, without right. without like a without Zuccarello.
2: I think you have a just put the power play one out there for two minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: or just, well, just score in the first forty five seconds every time. You have to yeah, worry about it. Right. Yeah.
2: Too.
0: <laughs> All right. So lots of interesting developments to watch as we move into the season with line combinations with power play units. Lots of question marks flying around now just due to the uncertainty of where we're playing, who's going to be playing, and all that. So something to watch moving forward. Uh, Let's move next here into... We'll stick with the Wild. Um, I don't know if we've... We've maybe talked a little bit on this show about it, but um, it's becoming a little more kind of uh, on the radar now. Uh, And that's the next Wild captain um reported by garen that they will name someone before the season starts mm-hmm. um we wondered if they maybe have a rotating a but i think it's kind of unanimous opinion within us but um russo put out an article basically that the three leading candidates are Spurgeon, felino and Prezi, like more or less in that order um who do you guys like out of that group has, has anything changed or is it still kind of what we've always said with with obviously probably Spurgeon
2: yeah I think with me it's Spurgeon I mean he's kind of a quiet leader and he saw kind of what he did with him over here and even you know now that he's over here you know after his quarantine he's basically inviting him over for dinner trying to get him comfortable so he's kind of stepping up and being a leader and kind of all around
1: yeah, I mean, I I don't definitely don't disagree with uh, having Spurgeon as the captain. I mean, there's every reason to be. And I, I know some people will say, well, you need some people think you need kind of a loud, more you know, rah rah kind of guy who's going to get up in the locker room and you know, if you're not playing well, scream at everyone or do the opposite or you know, sing your praises when you are doing well. But you know, I don't think that's necessary. I mean, you know, leading by example and being a good person, uh, being encouraging teammates. You know, and while also. Being a great hockey player self you know is Spurgeon is i think he's a great candidate but i'm also i also think that the uh, zach crease would make a good captain is because he's a little bit different he's more the you know everyone knows how his tireless work ethic is he's probably one of the hardest workers if not the hardest workers out in the ice uh, has a lot of enthusiasm for the game i mean you see it when he scores and i don't know i guess i would say i think spurgeon is going to be the guy and i you know i don't you know it doesn't really matter to me either way but I think Prezi is also, in my opinion, should be a solid candidate. And I know some people are, you know, they want to move away from the older guys like that and all that. But I, I don't know. I just think he's, uh, I think after Spurgeon, he would probably be my number two as in terms of uh, who I would like.
2: Right.
0: right. Yeah, I, I think th- the key point for me in, in determining, I mean, I've liked Spurgeon all along, but like when Z- Prezi kind of came into the mix, like the differentiator for me was, it really seems that Garen's trying to kind of push, this old mentality out. And I think not to say like putting breeches, the captain kind of like backtracks on that. It just doesn't seem to fit what he's doing. And, you know, Garen's the one who gave Spurgeon the contract the extension. I mean, and not only is Spurgeon like a great example on the ice with his work ethic and everything, the stuff he's doing off the ice is fantastic. Like I haven't seen anything about Parisi or Suter reaching out to Kaprizov. Like this guy's your future. Like, He's excited. He's who the fans are excited about. Build that relationship. Make him comfortable because he's going to be an integral part of your team. And, like, I. And Spurgeon's the one that's been reaching out and, like, building that relationship. Well, and I mm-hmm. think that's just as important as being a hard worker and a boys in the locker room is, like, hey, let's welcome in rookies. Um, Not to throw a little more shade on Zach. I don't know if Spurgeon's talked to Rossi yet either, but, like, uh, I think there was a question if Parisi had asked, you know, talked to Rossi at all. He's like, nope, I don't even really know that much about him. And I was like, well, yeah. maybe you know a little bit about he's, your first round draft pick, but. Yeah.
1: I, I don't know. I, I get that, but I don't know. I, I guess it's, I'm always just been a, you know, a suitor guy for whatever reason. So I, I'm a little biased, but you know, I, you know, I, you definitely, you know, probably if you would have heard about it, that Spurgeon was doing these things and, you know, talking to these guys and then, you know, inviting them over, uh, you know, talk to them be- six months, be- months before they were even got here. I can definitely see that, but I, I don't know. I also just think that, uh, I mean, there's just different ways of leadership, I guess is what it comes down to. And what, uh, the GM and the coach want really
2: right, and you got to see Spurgeon. Like you said, he was signed to that contract right away by Garrett. But you know, if, if he's named captain, you got a captain for you know if he stays captain seven years.
0: Yeah, it kind of it gives important. you that longevity too, for sure. And then, like, I still think Bellino was kind of like he fits the mold of kind of that perfect captain. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very vocal. He's very well respected in the locker room works his freaking tail off every night. He's the guy, like, he'll go out and drop the gloves for anyone on the team. But I think there's just that huge looming question of, you know, is he going to be exposed in expansion until the Dumba scenario is ironed out, which doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon. Maybe not even, you know, it might take right up to expansion. Before we know what happens there, I just, it, I think that makes sense why you couldn't have Felino. But um, I really like the quote uh, Russo had about um, from Felino. Foligno basically said no matter what happens, I'm not going to change the way I act, and I'm like, yeah. frick, yeah. yeah. The <laughs>
3: like,
0: I look back on that trade, and, I, like, the Wild won that trade. Like, Scandellan, mm. and, and, you know, whoever, who else did we got? Pommonville. back. We got Ennis, who has actually turned out to be a pretty serviceable, like, third-line forward, kind of wherever he goes. But, like, Felino, like, I think just the, he turned out to be a really good defensive forward, and I think just his leadership in the locker room. I mean, like, that, the, we talked a lot about kind of right at the time of that trade, how bad kind of the chemistry in the locker room was. And it seems like mm-hmm. I'm not saying he fixed it, but it definitely seems like he's been a part of kind of turning that locker room around too, which is like, maybe something that doesn't show up on the score sheet, but I think something that was really important to this team.
2: Uh, yeah. And he's, he's pretty entertaining. You know, he's an entertaining interview too. He doesn't really share card anything. He'll just kind of tell you how it is. And you know, just that, and that leader type that will stand up for his teammates.
0: Yeah, and I believe he spearheaded the Born to be Wild video that came out um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think during quarantine as well, which was pretty mm-hmm. interesting. I don't think there's anywhere to see that anymore, but if you did catch that, uh, it, was, it was pretty good. So uh, enough about Captain Talk. I think that's most of the big club talk. I think all we have left now is prospects. Yep. Uh, let's go. Let's see. Justin, you have a lot to talk about. We're... We're gonna mix the whole segment. So should we just start maybe with the non-World Junior
2: college player update? Yeah, we can start with that. I think we'll, yeah, we'll start with college, you know, kind of start with the Boston College Wild. You know, we got four <laughs> players out there. Boldy, he's had a really strong start to his season, eight points in four games. and You know, he's already been named Hockey East Player of the Week in week one. And then week two, he was Co-Player of the Week with, with their goalie. Um, and then we got uh, Nikita Nestorenko. His freshman year, he's already got five points in four games. He's looking good. McBain, he's he's looking good too. He looks like he's developed into a pretty fine player. You know, kind of that power forward type. He's, he's already got five points in four games. Then we got Marshall Warren there. who has uh, you know, only one point in four games. But you know, I'm seeing. I've watched a couple of their games, and all of them are getting, you know, different time on different special team units, whether it's, Emily kill is a power play. It's just seems like whenever a play is made, at least one one wild prospect is kind of in on it. So, um.
0: Yeah, and, like, the scary part for me with, like, Boldy in this is, like, Boldy's doing this without Alex Newhook. Mm-hmm. Like, when yeah. he comes back to that lineup, oh, boy. Yeah. Boston College top line is going to be terrifying because mm-hmm. Newhook is extremely talented. Mm-hmm. Like, not to say, like, Newhook carries Boldy, but, like, he obviously is going to make him better.
2: Right. Yeah. No, and I mean, I... Newhook's the best player on that team, no offense to Boldy, but mm-hmm.
0: no, it's I believe Newhook is. I think he might be yeah. uh, might be the top line center for World Juniors. Mm-hmm. He's or, or second, one of the two, but yeah,
3: yeah.
1: I, I guess just I want to just one thing about Boldy is you know I th- there were some tweets about this on Wild Twitter the last few days, and you know I think the impressive thing about Boldy is that he's you know from the wing he's like kind of seems seems to be driving play for his line and for his team. I mean. You know, he's. I don't. I've never heard of him as a goal scorer, but you know, some of the shots, the goals that he's been scoring on are pretty impressive too recently.
2: Yeah, he's just kind of picking corners out there right now.
3: hmm
0: It's fun to watch if you get a chance to tune into a BC game. Do it. Um, four wild players we touched on there. Uh, I believe they still are the number one
2: ranked team in the nation. No, they're number two. It's, uh, North- oh, they North- are number two now. North Dakota, BC, UMD, and then Minnesota.
0: And then uh, Mankato has a whopping three games played. Their weekend series this weekend canceled again because so they put this like mm-hmm. kind of this like nobody like, it's like Milwaukee School of Engineering or something like on their schedule just to play games. Yeah, They added it like, earlier in the week and then like last night like, yeah, Milwaukee has a COVID problem and now that series is canceled again. Oh. So Mankato's mm-hmm. played three games. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so they continue to drop, but hard to, hard to move up in the pairwise when uh, you're not playing any games. And All then right. they lost in Tech too, which... Uh, didn't help, despite out shooting him like two to one on the weekend. But hoping my Mavericks get on the ice more. I haven't even got a chance to watch <laughs> what happens. All right, Justin. Uh, any other uh, updates on prospects? Where we dive in yeah, a little yeah. bit to the uh, update on the World
2: Junior situation. Got a little bit more here. I'll, I'll move on to the NCHC part of college hockey. Nick Swainy, uh, UMD senior forward. He's um, got eight points in four games as well. He's he's looking really good for UMD. Mm-hmm. You know, playing on the top line, power play, one unit, just kind of one of the teams the team, so that's been fun to watch. And then we got Nick Henches out of St. Cloud State. He, he's the top line center there. You know, he looks quick this year. He put up three points in four games. Um, yeah, he just, you know, just want to see him stay healthy. So to, to do that because that's kind of been a problem had his Kind of something I'm looking out for him. And then for UMass, we have Philip Lindbergh in net, but he hasn't really been getting started. So it seems like Matt Murray there is is kind of their starter. So he's only had a couple stars this year. One of them was kind of a tough start against BC. Uh, I think it was one of the games where BC just kind of railed them. But uh, yeah, that's about it for college hockey. And then, of course, in the kind of one thing i found disappointing with with that team is ladnia like he looks good but he's only getting like between one and three minutes a game i don't really understand why but it's kind of frustrating to see
0: yeah, a lot of it seems like he's kind of fading into that like log territory of like, yep, there was a there was a lot of hype and it just it just can't seem to just take that next big step.
2: Right. And then, uh, still
0: young though, I think twenty yeah. years
2: old, so there's still yeah. a chance. Right. I mean, from what I've seen him play, is just he's not getting ice time. Just, it is what it is then uh, a couple more things you know with Cheska Svetlikov, he hasn't been getting many points but he's still doing really good on the faceoff circle. but uh, another piece of news is uh Matt Fay Gustav who played for uh, North Bay of the OHL he he just signed a contract with Cheska for till the end of the 2022-23 20, season so we'll we'll have a couple of prospects over there playing on the uh, caprice old team again so that's, that's kind of all the prospect news I have uh, outside of the World Juniors.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's dive in a little bit to the World Juniors. Uh, we put this out on our Twitter account today, but um, we'll start with, to me, what was a little eye-opening. Uh, when we were talking with uh, Isha and Hoppy last week, we were all pretty confident that uh, Adam Beckman would be vying for probably for sure a fourth-line spot, possibly even a third-line spot, but uh, he was cut today. Um boy. It caught me off guard. I were you guys kind of in the same boat?
1: Well, I mean, I, I guess from what I've read, I'm not too surprised because uh, from what uh, two different people have said that, you know, kind of on being on the bottom two lines in the, their scrimmages for Team Canada, that he wasn't, uh, didn't look too great in that role. So I I think just the Canadian team is just pretty stacked and has a lot of great players. So uh,
2: Yeah, I mean, I was kind of caught off guard, but at the same time, I was kind of not surprised in the same breath because said, they're just stacked in Canada. Like they're really good like i I, you know they're probably the favorites to win the world juniors and just every position there is just, they have a really good really good players
0: yeah and then uh, <clears throat> other prospects vying for spots on uh, team Canada uh Damon hunt was sent home um, not because he was cut um, probably would have been cut anyway but uh got covid 19. Basically, he was deemed unfit to play. So that means Ryan O'Rourke, uh, the last wild prospect remaining for Team Canada. Um, I believe what I saw from Scott Wheeler today was that there are expected to cut three more defensemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so O'Rourke, who from my understanding sounds like he might still have a chance, uh, we'll mm-hmm. see if he if he makes it past this last round of cuts. But he's basically in the in the in the finals, if you will, um, kind of those final cuts. So hoping he doesn't become uh, the Ralph Cox of uh, of Team Canada. <laughs> I don't know. I think, like, like the more I think about it, to me, it's like, I, I've i always been a believer of, like, you can't build a super team and win. Like, you have to have kind of, like, role players every now and again. And maybe, like, mm-hmm. that might be why Beckman just doesn't fit kind of in that bottom six role. Like, he's a he's a scorer. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you sometimes just need a third line that can go out there and just kind of wreak havoc, you know, for a hell of a team or, you know, go in and just, you know, shut down a top line. Or Rourke, like, like, we've talked about many times in this show. He's kind of that old style, gritty, physical. Like he's kind of what you want in like a maybe a third pairing defenseman. So maybe mm-hmm. he has a chance just because of like the style of player he is. Like the yeah. the more thought I've given to it, like the more optimistic I've become.
2: Yeah, I mean that certainly makes sense. And you know, fingers crossed. You know, it'd be fun to have even more wild prospects to watch there. I mean, we already have a good number, but I you know, just want to keep adding to it and watch them develop and see how they do against like you know, the best best competition
0: at their level. Speaking of plenty of players to watch, let's move to what will be the other pool where the Wild will have a slew of prospects, um, many playing uh, in their team's top sticks. We'll start, uh, go back here to Matt Boldy, who has been playing between Matthew Bainiers, uh, who is the center of the line, who I believe is kind of a, a, a projected first-round pick um, in the upcoming draft. And then on the wing opposite from him, ironically enough, is uh, Cole Caulfield. So um, Team USA wants to watch the world burn for Minnesota Wild fans. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's awesome to see. I think it'll be kind of like a fun, like, "Ooh, who's going to score more points?" Yeah. Than yeah. Juniors in the national stage, but I think having those two on the lines to be pretty sweet. Um, you know, two very talented forwards. I think we'll be able to see maybe you know if Boldy has kind of that playmaking side, maybe the kind of pout, maybe a power forward type, or you know, kind of a two way game. We'll kind of see. I think. Because you know Caulfield, like his role, he's, he's the sniper, he's the goal scorer. So you yeah, see how maybe Bowley works off that. Because I think you could maybe throw, probably for sure, like Fial into the sniper bucket. I don't know where Kaprizov is yet. Uh-huh. Um, I think I lean probably a little more to the goal scorer. But we'll see, you know, where, where Bowley could fit alongside one of those two potentially um, with how he performs with Caulfield. Yeah,
2: definitely. That will be a, a fun line to watch. Like, I think uh, Bowley and Caulfield have played before at, uh, at other tournaments. So, you know. It would be fun to see you know, how they feed off each other and, you know, like you said, what, what role Boldy can possibly fill for the Wild in the future.
0: Zeke, anything to add about uh, Boldy before we move on uh, to the other guys?
1: Uh, I mean, not, not too much. I, just like you guys said, just to be uh, looking forward to seeing him play with a couple other high-talented guys on his line in a big tournament like that.
0: Yep. All right, and some other guys are going to get big roles. I don't think we've got to talk too much about Marco Rossi. We kind of talked about that last week with, you know, his expectation of basically if Austria is going to do anything, it's probably going to be because of Rossi and nothing I think has changed from that. So we'll move um, to the other uh, big center news. Um, Murat, who's Nadinov, uh, reportedly taking line rushes and doing everything in Russia's camp as the first line center sandwich between, I believe it was Rodian Amarov, um, who is a, it was the 15th overall pick by Toronto. And mm-hmm. then um, Vasily Podkolzin, I believe, he was on the other wing. I think he was 12-ish overall by Vancouver two years ago on the draft. So, and both of those guys are very highly touted prospects, so it should be a really fun line to watch there as well. But um, it just it, things just continue, I think, to look up for who's mm-hmm. the been off. And it seems like the Wild maybe really found yeah. something there early in the second round.
1: Yeah, maybe. I – I think I mean, like Justin said a few times on his prospect updates, uh, you know, uh, hasn't, when he's played for uh, SKA, he hasn't played a ton, you know, as the fourth line minutes, although he has played in the KHL. So I'm personally looking forward to seeing him play in this tournament, you know, as the top line center of his team is kind of one of the guys and just, you know, see how he kind of handles that and how he performs. Uh,
2: yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. You see him in like basically the minor leagues of the KHL, um like the MHL or the VHL, like, whenever he plays there, he's just, you know, he looks quick and, you know, gets all these points. And like Zeke said, he's played in the KHL, kind of in fourth-line roles, a few minutes here and there. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, actually be able to watch him and, and see the speed that we're talking about that, you know, he's possibly the quickest prospect in this past draft or one of them So. Yeah, it seems like uh, the Wild have hit pretty well on a, a couple draft picks, and we'll, we'll see, you know, in kind of live what we got.
0: Yep, and then the last prospect, who I, we won't go into too much because we talked about him last week as well, but uh, Pavel Novak still seems very much in the mix uh, for the Czech Republic. I, I haven't seen any updates in kind of lines, but I would just assume based on his talent and kind of the lack of deep talent on Czech Republic, he should kind of be in that top six um guys like Ian Mizick. um I think Yamir Pitlick is another guy that'll be in the mix there too, but um, he's a versatile wing. I think can play either side, so that gives him a good chance. So should be in that division. You'll see three guys on a first line, maybe four playing against one another. So probably these guys getting 20 minutes ice time a night, so you'll be able to watch them for a third of the game. Again, uh, World Juniors start Christmas Day, uh, run through January, and then not long after that, we'll have training camp and the NHL hockey season will be here. So Oh, two more weeks of waiting, and hockey will pretty much be back. Oh, yeah. We'll have something yeah, to yeah. watch, um, back to
2: normal somewhat again. So, guys, right. anything
0: else to add on our uh, on our uh, World Junior uh, prospects?
2: I, I think uh, isn't Vladislav Gladys, off on Russia as well? Yes, you are right. He is as well. So another player to watch out for some you know sophomore at UConn that, that seems to be a pretty exciting player that can score goals. So looking forward to watch him play as well.
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, nothing for me. I think we pretty much covered it well. Just, uh, you know, it's been, this is pretty much the first uh, World Junior Tournament since, I think it was 2016-17 when the Wild had the uh, Cunning Ek, Kaprizov, and Greenway that, you know, we've had like, you know, several good, you know, kind of most high-end prospects in the tournament. So it'll be fun.
0: Yeah, and I'm willing to put up, you know, my life savings, which at this point isn't much, but that this group is better than that group, mm. Kaprizov. Yeah which that might not even be true either. So it <laughs> should, should be fun. Um, I'm really looking forward to just see, because you kind of touched on earlier, just watching yeah. live hockey again.
3: Mm.
0: And to have like a, you know, outside of like rooting for USA, because we're from the United States, rooting for wild prospects to do well as well. And I think it's just going to be really cool too, just, you know, how it's going to work out where, you know, all the prospects that made their team, all gonna be playing against each other too which i think will be fun hopefully maybe they can start building some relationships a little bit too that way as well maybe guys like uh, first off and who's dinoff you know start building a relationship mm-hmm. before they come over and, and we'll see what happens but um we've pretty much we've hit our uh, time limit right on the head today not an hour and 45 minutes like last
3: <laughs>
0: um, hope, hope you stuck with us through that one i think it was a pretty entertaining show mm-hmm. uh lots to talk about but uh got through some news and notes and stuff so Uh, We're still looking to line up some guests and stuff before the season starts. It might not happen. It may not Um, have a guest lined up hopefully for some time in February that I think uh, the listeners will enjoy as well. Um, But we'll uh, save that news for another day. Um, Before we sign off here, guys, uh, just remind everyone uh, where they can find you and find your work.
1: Well, you can find uh, me on Twitter at uh, ZBWildNation underscore Show me for personal account. You can find my other podcast uh, at Locked on Wild on Twitter, and you can also find all my uh, writing and work at hockeywilderness.com.
0: And Justin, what about you and your many hats?
2: Yeah, you can find me at DEAST2004 for my personal account. You can find me at C. Make sure to kind of pay attention to that one because I'll be doing a countdown again once we get the start date. Yeah, that is going. And then I'm um, at MNW Prospects, and you know, continue to watch that because there's a lot of Prospect stuff going on. It was, we're doing kind of a player of the week and, and a pros, Prospect weekly update, so uh, just keep an eye on that page as well. All
0: right, and as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at SoundTheFoghorn all one word. We are also on Instagram at Sound the SoundTheFoghorn, so be sure to follow us there. We have some free analytics tools you can use. You can find links to that in both our Twitter and Instagram bios if you want to toy around with those, um, including EHL 21 player ratings, uh, lineup projections, all that fun stuff. And uh, one final reminder that Fantasy Hockey League still has spots open. Feel free to hit up Zeke with any questions regarding that. Otherwise, League's free to join. Link is on our Twitter page hope to see some more of you there there will be a prize for the non uh, highest finishing uh, one of us three uh, that's yet to be determined but you will have something to play for uh, we just ask that you be uh, active and hopefully that'll be fun but that'll do it uh, for this show we may be back next week maybe not it's kind of a surprise for you uh, at this point you'll probably find out the day if we're gonna do some or not that' will it for today's show thanks for tuning in this has been another episode of sound fun.